When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you every week by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. Partnering with them is probably one of the best decisions I've made because I love public golf and Cog Hill is the epitome of good public golf in Chicagoland. Featuring four championship golf courses, including the world-famous Dubs Dread, Cog Hill brings the best of public golf to every player that steps on its property every single day. Go out to coghillgolf.com to learn more. We're also brought to you by our friends over at WorldwideGolfShops.com. If you want to play your best and you want to look your best, go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com today to check out everything they have. They've got the latest equipment, they've got the latest apparel, they've got training aids, they've got accessories, everything you could possibly think of to get you back in the game and to play your best every single time. WorldwideGolfShops.com Hey everybody, Adam here, GolfUnfiltered.com. If this sounds a little bit different, well, that's because it's going to be. For the next few weeks, I'm going to interview a few guests, whether they be people that you know, perhaps many that you don't, and I'm going to ask one general question of each. What does golf mean to you? Or, I guess in this case, what does it mean to them? You see, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and with everything that's been going on in the world and everything that I've experienced and what people around me have experienced, I've, I've always found a way to kind of cope with everything through golf. It's been there for a long time for me, over 25 years at this point, and I've relied upon golf to help me get from one day to the next in many ways, especially with the work that I do at Golf Unfiltered. It also helps me get from one major life event to the next. If I ever needed something to escape or maybe even a little bit of therapy in some way. Sure, there's the more traditional methods of going to see somebody or or, uh, even download an app these days. They've got those now as well. And those are all fine. And I've used many of them. And I've definitely seen many people. But at the end of the day, there's always golf. And it meant something to me in the beginning when I first started playing golf when I was 13. And over the course of my years, I'm near 40 now, it means something completely different. And I bet it does for you too. So we're going to investigate that a little bit. We're going to hear from people, like I said, that you probably recognize and, and others that may be complete strangers. But at the end of the day, We all share that common bond. Golf. Let's have some fun. Well, to kick things off with this series of what golf means to insert name here, what better place to start than with me? What's my story? How would I answer that question? Admittedly, thinking through this series and and wanting to take on this project, I, 
I really didn't even know how to answer that question for myself. So maybe it's best that I get it out of the way. To me, golf pretty much means the world. And I mean that in so many different ways, and I also don't mean it in other ways. It's not everything to me. It's still a game. It's a game that I enjoy most days. It's also a side business. Golf and Filtered is a entity that is registered as a business. I do make a little money off of it, but by no means anything that I'm going to retire on. And golf is also a hobby. It's kind of a weird dynamic there. The three-headed monster, if you will. A game that I enjoy. Something that I do for a limited amount of revenue. And something that I do for enjoyment when I'm not actually playing the game. Yeah, believe it or not, as much as I complain on social media or maybe even on this podcast, I actually enjoy doing this. But it wasn't always that way. At one point, the only thing that mattered to me was playing the game. Longtime listeners to the podcast will probably remember that I started playing this game when I was 13, and it was only after I started working in the game at the same time. So for me, there was really never a separation from doing it for enjoyment and also doing it for income. You know, as a 13-year-old kid working a summer job as a caddy and then ultimately a bag room uh, employee, you know, it's it's something that you do for just a few bucks. I think I was making minimum wage at the time, and I don't even remember what that was, but it wasn't much. And any money that I earned, whether it be through tips or eventually hourly, that went to things like fueling my hand-me-down car that I received or, you know, buying cigarettes at a time when I probably shouldn't be smoking cigarettes. And then, of course, there are many other things that I spent money on foolishly instead of, you know, saving it, which would have been the smarter thing to do, admittedly. But the cool thing was that whenever I was done working, I just had to walk out of the clubhouse, and right there in front of me was a playground. I was able to immediately play golf. And on Mondays, because I worked at a private club, and most private clubs are closed on Mondays, at least in the Chicago area, I was able to play all day long. You know, instead of going to school or sometimes immediately after. Golf was always there. It was where I learned how to compete on an individual scale. Sure, I played team sports growing up, and you always had team members and teammates to rely on. But golf was that first taste of, hey, you're out here alone. Any mistakes you make are yours alone And any successes, well, that's based on what you did and the hard work that you put in. It was almost like a continuous lesson that bridged between what it meant to work for a wage and then carry that over in any integrity that you had into what you did for enjoyment. That's one of the things about golf that I continue to appreciate today. And I'm a much better player now than when I was, of course, when I first started. And it actually took me quite some time to uh, get to a point where 
I would say I'm I'm better than average. I don't know. Maybe that's not for me to say. But it was also playing golf as a young kid. It was also a way for me to compare myself to others, even though it's the individual sport that we all enjoy. Most of my friends who I hung out with in high school, because that was the age that I really was introduced to the game, they were better than me. Sure, there were a few that were on the same playing field as me, and then even others who may be worse, but very few fell into that last category. And I remember trying out for the high school golf team, not once but twice, and not making it either time. And despite all the help that my friends in high school gave me and offered to me, all the late-night range sessions, we used to go to uh, White Mountain in Orland Park, Illinois, and we would hit balls for hours into the night. And I wasn't as good as the others, but, you know, after being made fun of a little bit of basically what kids do, they offered suggestions, and they offered some tips, and it was almost like this this potluck of golf lesson knowledge that each of them had received, and now they were kind of shooting out at me all at once. And a few things stuck, even to today. I still remember a lot of the things that, that those guys told me. And I do remember very vividly the second tryout, which I thought I was a much better player at that point, and I was, but it certainly didn't show on the day of the tryout. I don't remember the the format other than it was nine holes. I don't remember if it was one day or two. But I do remember the golf coach at the time sitting me down along with all the other people who tried out and saying, you know what, Adam, I know that You've got a lot of backers behind me, and they were actually quite literally behind him. But you just didn't score well enough, and unfortunately, I can't let you on the team. And I don't remember my expression at the point. I don't remember if I made a face at all other than just accepted the news that I was given. I do remember one of my best friends, out of the corner of my eye, shaking his head and just disagreeing with the coach. He uh, he kind of has that attitude a little bit. But I took the news and I got into my car, my hand-me-down car that I mentioned earlier, and I drove home all the way from New Lenox to my house in Joliet, Illinois. And I remember crying the entire time. And as I think back at it, I don't remember why I was crying specifically. Sure, I could say that it was because I didn't make the team. But I wonder if it was because I failed at something that I really wanted. Or because I felt like I was an outcast and I wasn't going to fit in with the group of, uh, the group of friends that I had made. And they just so happened to all make the golf team. Or, I don't know if I let them down. Perhaps it was a combination of all of those. But I do remember a lot of negative self-talk at that time. And in that, and perhaps because of it, I learned a very important lesson about myself 
and how I accepted failure and how I reacted to it. And with all sincerity, I think that may have been one of the most important lessons that I had ever learned. And I'm not trying to be cliche or, or corny here. Because I do remember how I felt. And I've felt that way many times through the years since. But I always seem to find a way to cope and to continue. And to just wake up the next day. You see, I have a tendency to get pretty personal uh, on this podcast as well as on social media. And I'm sure many of you who follow know exactly what I'm talking about. And I don't know how to turn that off. And golf seems to have this knack of having me open up even more. I mean, heck, I wrote a book on my experiences at that country club working there and all the idiotic things that we did. Is it just my desire to get that out for people to to read and to hear? I don't know. Maybe somebody listening to this has an idea of what that could be. But as time went on, the college years came. I still played golf. I started to improve, started to get more interested in equipment, in the science of golf. You know, big science nerd here. And I didn't play a lot of golf during my college years. My roommate, another one of my best friends, did, played on the team uh, for a couple years and is still one of the best golfers I know. But it was at this point where my focus shifted from playing to writing about it. I still watched pro golf, and I've told this story a few times. But this was around the time when LiveJournal and Blogger were things that people started doing. And I remember reading articles on the publications and websites at that time that we all knew, and some are still around. And I remember thinking, you know, I could, I could probably write about golf. No idea if anybody would read it. But at the very least, maybe it's a way to kill some time and to still scratch that itch where a drunk and broke college student couldn't go and play golf as much as he wanted to, but he could certainly talk about it. And he could write about it. And so I did. And that actually started chicagoduffer.com, which was the first iteration that would eventually become Golf Unfiltered. And that kind of opened me up to a whole slew of different possibilities. And I learned a lot more about the game of golf, which I think was the the silver lining in that whole thing. Yeah, I didn't have many readers at the time. I didn't have a podcast. That wasn't even a thing at the at that time of my life. But eventually I started writing and then and writing more and writing for publications and writing for other websites and being being brought on to networks and meeting a lot of great people. And so it was almost like the business side of the game opened its arms to me. Again, not trying to be too corny here. But I got to learn a lot about the inner workings of the game from a business standpoint. Equipment is a heck of a thing. There's a lot of great things to learn 
in terms of how golf clubs are made, how they're marketed, how they're updated, and how they're innovated. We talk about it every week here on the podcast. And along the way, I met professional golfers. I met CEOs of some of the brands that I loved. Never thought in a million years that thinking back to my days washing golf clubs and cleaning them for the members at a country club, marveling at the names and just marveling at the price tags of some of these these golf clubs, that I would someday meet the people that literally invented those things. It was almost like I was allowed backstage. The curtain was pulled back for me, and I got to see the wizard. And I know how that sounds, but that's how I felt. I felt like I was part of something. And a lot of the people that I met, whether it be, you know, the the folks over at SB Nation, whether it be JB and Morgan over at the Hackers Paradise, whether it be Michael Verska, who has been on the show many times, and there are so many other names that I met because of all those people. The Back Nine Network that lasted for, what, five months? I don't even remember. Probably longer than that. I was able to meet so many people. And I learned a lot about so many people. All very valuable things. Almost on the same level as the valuable lesson I learned years ago when I didn't make the golf team. You know, there's an old adage about you can learn a lot about a guy or or woman playing the game of golf and how they play the game. Are they honest? Do they have integrity? Or don't they? And the same is true when you meet the personalities in the game. And I've met them all. I've met everyone on any end of the personality spectrum that you could think of. And you learn not only how to think of golf beyond the game, but you also learn about, wow, sometimes it's okay to just think about golf as a game. I think one of the blessings, I guess, I use that word very rarely, but I'll use it here. I I think that one of the blessings I have is that I don't rely on golf for a living. And sure, I mean, there were those moments when I was growing up where I thought, hey, this putts to win the Masters as I'm on a uh, practice putting green. Or perhaps early on when I started Golf Unfiltered, wow, maybe this could be my full-time job. And yeah, that would be fun for a little while, I think. Knowing myself as well as I do, I, I know that that's probably not something that is in my future. But maybe that's okay. Because at the end of the day, and I've said this many times on this podcast, if what I do with Golf Unfiltered hinders my appreciation of the game or lessens the fun that I have with it, then I'll stop doing it. And the reason that I'm comfortable saying that, and and I truly do believe that, and I've made a lot of decisions uh, based on that premise, 
is because I always have the game to fall back on. And so, to kind of bring this full circle, what does golf mean to me? Well, it's always that safety net in a lot of ways. You know, as the world struggles with being divided with unknown and uh, things and uncertainty and and health issues and everything else you know that's something that is really hard to deal with for me personally and I don't want to get too deep here one because I don't know if you want to hear it and two because I don't know how deep I want to go but my career what I actually do for a living and what I do to pay my mortgage and to support my family and and all of that is in healthcare. And I think these last two years, I can honestly say have been the hardest from that perspective that I've ever experienced. Sure, there have been personal issues and, and family issues and other things that are much, much worse. But this is the first time that a part of me what I enjoy doing professionally as it relates to healthcare and, and public health, this is the first time that that's actually felt threatened. And knowing myself as well as I do, and it's taken me a long time to really understand this about myself, is I need that outlet. I need something to take my mind off of all the the garbage that's going on, the things that I disagree with, the people that disagree with me. Golf has always been there. It's not only a safety net, maybe it's a security blanket, but it's an outlet. And I believe it's probably the same for many of you. I believe that at its core... Golf has this ability to erase everything else that's going on, whether it be social issues, whether it be political issues, anything at all. It erases it as soon as you put that tee in the ground with whomever you're playing. I can walk onto a golf course tomorrow, and I could do that alone. I could be paired with others. And I don't have to know anything about anyone else. I prefer to play with friends, but I've played many rounds with complete strangers, and I've met some pretty cool people. Yeah, there's a handful of others that I probably wouldn't choose to play with again. But that's life. And I can tell you that it is very rare that any of those other issues that I named before actually come up in conversation when I'm playing golf with strangers. And that is something that I appreciate about the game so much. And it's one of those unspoken things, right? Maybe it's not wanting to get into an awkward conversation. Maybe it's just this understanding that no matter who you are and no matter who you're looking at across the tee box, we're just here to have some fun. Maybe shoot our best score. Most likely not but to kill some time. And it's an unspoken understanding 
that we're all here just to enjoy this stupid hard game that we cannot get enough of. I can't think of another activity, of another setting, of another situation where nothing else matters other than the activity that you're doing right then and there. And golf is that for us. And it's been so important, especially now, and I think it will be moving forward as well. I don't think there's any mistake or any coincidence that golf experienced the boom it did during the pandemic. People needed something to do, and people found comfort in something that I've found comfort in for years. And I bet you did too if you're listening to this. So what does golf mean to me? Well, again, there's a lot of ways that I can answer that. I've tried a few times today on this episode. And as we continue to talk to other people, as I talk to other people, I'm going to ask the same question and I want to hear from you. I want to know exactly what golf means to you. Maybe it's something that is very similar to what I've mentioned today. Maybe it's completely different. Maybe it's something that you do for a living, whether competitively or as part of business. So now you know the format. We've covered a lot in this first episode, and I could probably go much deeper than I did. But now's the time to hear from you. So if you're interested in telling your story and answering the question, what does golf mean to you? Just reach out. You can find me on social media at Golf Unfiltered. You can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from all of you, and I hope that uh, we could all learn a little something along the way. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode.